Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning. It's good to see you all, everybody who's here in person, everybody who's joining us over Zoom or YouTube or over our podcast throughout the week. It is always so very good to be together. My name is Jen Crow. I'm one of your ministers here at First Universalist Church, and we welcome you with wide open arms and wide open hearts. Our minister emeritus, the Reverend Dr. John Cummins, once said that the challenge of our age is to stand upon the shoulders of the past, not to be buried by it. To stand upon the shoulders of the past, not to be buried by it. He said, we have received a heritage of hopes and ideas from those who have come before us and arriving at this moment, this time and place right now, Our challenge is to take those hopes and ideals, those aspirations and dreams, and move them one step further. So we arrive at this moment, this place in time, and we come with expectations of things going one way, and yet lately we all know that things tend to go another way. There's the way we expect, and then there's the way things actually turn out. So if you were here last week or you've been paying attention about our rhythm of services, you know we expected to have the Reverend Michael Slack with us today. Michael is the Community Minister for Worship and Spiritual Care for Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. But Michael and so many in our Unitarian Universalist community are grieving loss upon loss this week. Matthew P. Taylor, who was the ministerial intern at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Rockville, Maryland, and a leader in the Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism community, died unexpectedly this week, and Michael was Matthew's mentor and friend. The Blue community is reeling this week with grief and loss, and it is in community that we care for one another. When something hard happens for one of us, somebody else in our community can move in, hopefully, and offer care for us. And that is just what Lena is doing today. Lena Gardner, Executive Director of Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism and member of our church, will be helping me lead worship this morning and offering the message today. So we're grateful for the many ways you've been able to care for Michael and that we can trust that community is there to care for us. So. I know that we have all experienced tremendous loss in different ways over the last couple of years. And I wonder, is there something, and this is a real question I'm asking kids and adults and all of us here, what helps when you have experienced a loss? What helps when you are hurting or feeling sad? It could be that we've lost a loved one, a person, a pet, a community, a relationship, a situation. Maybe we had to move schools this year. When things change, when there has been a loss, what can you do to take care of yourself and to take care of each other? Food, yeah. Compassion rather than pity. Amen to that. Exercise. Yes. What else helps? Hugs. Yeah. Time with friends. 
Singing, yes, any way we can. Dancing. <laughs> Dancing. What else? Sleep. Okay, I hear something back there, but I can't hear it. Help me. Family. Yes, good job. Anything else? Therapy. Getting outside help, as I call it. Very helpful. Going out best we can, absolutely. Helping others, I'll add to that. And I don't know if you've started to see the building up of the stuffed animals up here. We started last week with just the rabbit, but I see a snow leopard and some birds and what looks like maybe a fox over here, a raccoon maybe. So I love the beauty that our visual arts team has brought to the sanctuary and all over the building, and you are invited to add to it, to bring a stuffed animal, to add to the winter scene, put your name on it to make if you want it back, which I would definitely want my stuffed animal back at the end of this if it, I brought mine up. But we build this care and love together. So it's in community when we can give and receive and grow together in all of the ways we need to when times are good and when times are hard. So some of you might remember Reverend Justin used to say all the time, sometimes we are the ocean, sometimes we're held up by the ocean. It is the love of community that allows us to change places when we need to, to trust that the ocean of care is there for us when we need it, and to rest in it when that's what needs to happen. So I'm reminding all of us that when we have hard times, this community is here to hold you up. When you have joys and you share them here, they are expanded, and that by coming together, we can care for all of us so, so very well. I invite us now to settle in for our time together, to make yourself comfortable any way that you will. For some of us, that's getting still. For some of us, that's wiggling a little bit. Whatever it is, is just right. And I'm going to invite us to take three on-purpose breaths together. It's a way for us to be connected wherever we are. So I invite us to breathe in and breathe out, to breathe in and breathe out, and one more, breath in and breath out. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Lift every Sing on. 
song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Oh, sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the It is still so hard for me not to sing with you. <laughs> uh, I invite us to take a few moments to settle in here. However that feels right for you, I've got my feet planted firmly on the floor, taking a moment to relax my shoulders, to feel my body. a chance to breathe together wherever we are connected across space and time history and hopes a future we work for and long for and pray for as we move into this time of prayer and meditation I offer us the words of the theologian Starhawk, who wrote this. We are all longing to go home to some place we have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. Community, somewhere, there are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere a circle of hands will open to receive us, eyes will light up as we enter, voices will celebrate with us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done. Arms to hold us when we falter. A circle of healing. A circle of friends. Someplace where we can be free. Someplace half remembered, still envisioned. A place we long to go home to where we have never been. A place we catch glimpses of from time to time. Community. A place where we are strengthened when we falter. Arms that reach out to hold us. Voices that celebrate when any of us comes into our own power. Eyes that light up when we enter a place where we are known by our true names, community.
It is in community that we can hold it all. The sorrows and joys, the gratitudes and grief that we know as the cycle of life turns for us all. Today we hold our losses and our grief together. Our hearts are with those in Illinois and Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky, who have lost lives and homes, their communities impacted by the tornadoes that swept through the land on Friday night. We remember Matthew P. Taylor, ministerial intern at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Rockville, Maryland, leader in the Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism community. Matthew died unexpectedly this week, and our hearts are with all those who knew Matthew. Matthew's huge heart, their warmth and truth and love, all of those spaces made better because of their presence. We know that like all loss, Matthew's death rings the bell of grief that lives in our hearts. And we recognize the deep grief that is held in our larger Unitarian Universalist community, and especially within the Black Unitarian Universalist community this year, on the loss of not only Matthew, but five other Black Unitarian Universalist leaders as well. And we name them. Hope Johnson, William Chester McCall, Kimberly Hampton, Alondria Williams, Tony McDonald, Matthew P. Taylor. The Reverend Sophia Betancourt wrote earlier this week that this is a time of public lament. For all of us, she wrote, for all of us who move through the potentials and possibilities of this liberal and liberating faith. For all of us who swore to one another that we would do whatever it takes to stop our black and indigenous and people of color leaders from dying before their time. For all of us who hold on to one another as an embodiment of the now of Unitarian Universalism and not just the dream of what one day might be. Beloveds, she writes, I am sorry for these oceans of loss. I am sorry for a collective grief that wears away at the spirit like water licking salt into new form. I am grateful for the amazing beings that have honed and shaped us and that call us into great promise from the ancestral realm. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Hope. Thank you, Chester. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Alondria. Thank you, Tony. We are better than we could ever have been for your presence among us. And this morning we add one more name to this time of public lament and this space of collective grief. The Reverend Dr. John Cummins, Minister Emeritus of this congregation, died yesterday 
Saturday, December 11th, at his home in Minneapolis. His daughter, Carol Cummins, was with him as he transitioned. John and his wife, Drew Cummins, moved with their family to Minneapolis in 1963. For decades, John was a leader in liberal religion and an ardent supporter of a variety of progressive social causes. He was active in the civil rights movement, the sanctuary movement, the women's rights movement, fighting for immigrant rights, and so much more. John served this congregation with dedication and care until his retirement in 1986. Prior to that, he served Unitarian Universalist congregations in Maine and Massachusetts, and he and his wife, Drew, were active in denominational leadership. In addition to his daughter, Carol, John is survived by his son, Clyde, and he was preceded in death by his wife, Drew, and their son, Christopher. A celebration of life for John will be held here in the near future. John was always one to share his wisdom and learnings and spiritual path. And at the time of his installation here in 1963, he shared that he had his first truly religious insight in seventh grade, thanks to his biology teacher. They were on a field trip along an ocean beach, and the teacher picked up a spiraled conch shell that was lying empty in the sand and began reciting the poem, The Chambered Nautilus by Oliver Wendell Holmes. It goes like this. Build thee more stately mansions, O my soul, as the swift seasons roll. Leave thy low vaulted past. Let each new temple, nobler than the last, shut thee from heaven with a dome more vast, till thou art at length art free, leaving thine outworn shell by life's unresting sea. The turning of the Nautilus, one life upon another upon another, the turns of our spirits and souls, the culmination of our stories and hopes and dreams. May we too know the comfort and the brilliance of nature, the love of community, where and however we find it. And may we pray together that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that the grip of addiction might be loosened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. I'm going to ask for your grace this morning because I am very tired. I'm recovering from a breakthrough case of COVID, but I'm still very grateful and honored to be here. And I promise we will get Reverend Michael here sometime in the future. His gifts are amazing. And hopefully by the end of our time together, it'll all make sense and, be, and, and this will be worthy of your time. When I decided to become a mother, I knew it was something I was going to do as a solo parent. And I'm sharing this because when I imagined raising my daughter, I also imagined I would have help. I only thought I could be a solo parent because I knew I would have help. When the pandemic hit, when my baby was three months old, I knew it was only a matter of time before me and Winnie got COVID. As her only parent, uh, I can't not work, which means she can't not go to daycare. We took every precaution and gratefully, I accepted the protection of the vaccine when it was my turn. And as I had foreseen early on, we did in fact contract COVID from childcare. Winnie can't get the vaccine, she's only two. Which also would have been avoided if we lived in a different world where more people understood science and believed in caring for each other, but that's a sermon for another day. At any rate, when I was pregnant, I imagined that when I got sick, I'd be able to call and ask for help and someone would be able to come over. I never imagined having coughing fits so intense that my two-year-old would be patting my back and offering me water. She calls water Gaga. She would lovingly pat and caress my back as I have done hers so many nights. She would say, Mama, Gaga, Mama, Gaga. I would tell her, yes, I'll take some water. I'm okay. You're okay. We'll be okay. It was both a reassurance to her and to myself. It was also a calling out to the universe, a prayer from the deepest place in my soul for it to actually be okay. Because the truth was, I was terrified and alone. But Winnie, she only cared that her mama was there. And in my arms, I could feel her heart calming down. I could feel her ease. And because two-year-olds love repeating themselves over and over again, Often during my course of COVID, I heard, Mama, Gaga, Mama, Gaga? Yes, I should drink some water, thank you. And there was no one else. It was just us for days and days. I had thought I would have had help, but there was no foreseeing this virus. There was no imagining that that help would be evaporated by the threat in the breath of another human being. It's safe to say that all of us have had to find strength we didn't know we had in order to navigate this pandemic. Whether that's meant for caring for children while sick or coping with one reason or another that made us more vulnerable to this virus. But some people who are already vulnerable have had to do more with less. And some people, many people are still fighting with this virus and fighting for their lives. I was humbled by my bout with COVID, which was a mild case. 
But whenever you start to lose your breath, it is scary. Like a lot of parents, my purpose for my life changed as soon as I, sweating, aching, exhausted after 56 hours of labor, pushed my daughter into the world and heard her glorious cries for the first time. I could hold her in my arms after aching for months to meet her. In that moment, I felt the fierce power of life and the profound fragility of my own body. It came into such sharp focus. And so did all the love. But it all quickly, quickly gets blurry because we were not made to live in those liminal spaces every single day. After my fever had broken from COVID, another liminal space, and I knew that I for sure would be okay, I played hide and seek with Winnie in the covers, in the covers between coughing and catching my breath and drinking water. And her laughter brought me fully present. Her joy, her giddiness, she knows nothing of grief of the world. She knows nothing of the horrors of the world that I can't actually protect her from. But as this church has taught me over and over again, love is a reason to hold on to. I can only love her through it all. Love is a purpose to focus on and not just when you're sick. Love is worth cultivating, worth practicing, worth continually searching for in the heart of the madness in which we call our lives. And life is about helping each other, even when it's inconvenient and messy. So yes, when my daughter was born, I learned a new meaning of love. And a, a line of demarcation tore through my heart and literally tore my body. And that's a line of demarcation many parents know well, no matter how their children came to them. There, there is a before and there is an after, and we are never the same. And that's true whether our children are living or have been taken from us too soon. Collectively and personally, this pandemic is also a line of demarcation. None of us will ever be the same. So now I want us to journey a little bit to the before times, before the pandemic, before I was a mother, before any of us were armchair infectious disease specialists, before we ever knew what a coronavirus was. But we still had this broken world. We still had our loves, excuse me, we still had our lives and our love. That time that I want to take you to is July of 2015. It was then that I traveled to the Convening for Black Lives in Cleveland, Ohio, with the Black Lives Matter Minneapolis chapter, and where I would meet the people I would go on to co-found the Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism with, or BLUE. At a meal together over the lunch hour, there were seven of us, and we dreamed together of a way that our faith could both fuel our work for black and collective liberation and also be a source of respite, comfort, and spiritual nourishment in the world for black people, for us. 
And we didn't blink, we didn't hesitate. None of us were paid at that time. In fact, every single one of us was working another job or jobs at the time. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that starting Blue was the heart and brainchild of Leslie Mack. She had the clear vision that she invited us all into. And from there, Blue was born. And it's here in Blue's history where I usually get bogged down by trying to figure out which parts of the history to share. It is a prolific and dynamic history. But we have a website. You can look it all up. Just Google the Blue story, B-L-U-U, -U, and you should find it. And you should read it. It's a little long, but I think it's worth it. And now it's a little outdated, but we're working on an update. Nonetheless, it's a good place to start. I can and will, and will mention briefly here that we provide monthly online worship for Black Unitarian Universalists. Since 2018, we have awarded over $100,000 in disaster relief grants, and we have worked on a number of campaigns, including the Babies and Bailouts campaign, where we were working to literally set people free who are mostly black from jails that they were unjustly put in and working to help end black maternal health disparities which are some of the worst in the world in the before times blue held large in-person gatherings we had a revival we had a symposium in 2019 it was and that was a powerful transformative experience and our first book is set to be published in, in early 2022. You can pre-order it now through Skinner House Books. It's called Blue Notes, an anthology of love, justice, and liberation. We've also become a housing developer, and we are developing a housing cooperative in North Minneapolis. We, we, we were awarded $250,000 from the city of Minneapolis to help in this project. So what does this all have to do with First Universalist? While I haven't been able to regularly attend church since about 2016, it's true that I started coming here in 2009, and I will always consider this one of my spiritual homes. It was with a broken leg and grief-sick heart that Reverend Justin's message of unconditional love found me and helped me believe that I was loved here. Then I discovered Reverend Kate Tucker's beautiful ways of weaving together intricate stories with spiritual truths, often contradictions, and, help, and it helped me to understand the world in a more complex way while not ignoring the simplicity of some truths, while also always embracing, embracing a curious heart. In many ways, I learned more about the promise of what love could be here in this church than anywhere else. And I could also see who has been left out and how we sometimes get in our own way at First Universalists and in Unitarian Universalism. Our traumas and privileges get the best of us sometimes, despite having the best of intentions. Even so, this church and many people from it have helped me believe in the possibility of a Unitarian Universalist faith that can and does change the parts of the world that we are able to, and does so in a spirit of love. 
the way this church wrestled and continues to wrestle with how to answer love's call helped embolden me to say yes to Leslie's vision of what Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism could be, because I also knew that this church would journey with me. I knew that saying yes to Blue was building a distinctly Black vision of Unitarian Universalism. And we have not been perfect. We have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. And we've learned, and I have learned, at this church that making mistakes individually and collectively is not just okay, it is necessary to live more deeply into love and justice. Sometimes people at First Universalist were wildly uncomfortable with what I was asking them to do, whether that was for Blue or Black Lives Matter Minneapolis, and still many people showed up. What I haven't talked too much about was that watching people show up from First Universalists and other congregations in the Twin Cities changed my heart and helped me hold onto and discover my faith more deeply in love. I will never forget being on 94 with Reverend Jen Crow and getting tear gassed fighting for justice for Philando Castillo. I have learned so many lessons and been humbled by being in the arena fighting for justice and daring greatly to borrow words from Brene Brown, who borrowed words from Theodore Roosevelt. We, as you use at this church, it would seem, are daring greatly on love. For me now, personally, it is a season of healing, reflection, parenting, and leading blue in a more sustainable way. Collectively, for Blue, we are discerning what's next for us with the help of an amazing organization called AORDA, and that stands for Anti-Oppression Resource Training Alliance. And once again, two things are true at the same time. I need both places. Blue and First Universalist are both my spiritual homes. Both have different and important roles in the world and in my life. And I want both communities to be with me as part of helping to raise my daughter. I want both communities because we all need more than one circle, and those circles support us in different ways. Both communities have trans transformed who I am, how I know to fight, how I know to love and to fight for justice, and how I want to help build the part of this world that is mine to build and ours to build. Because while it was just me and my daughter when I was sick with COVID and we were physically isolated, I did also have people bringing us meals and medicine, people who were checking in on me. I could feel people's prayers and love. And while I had wished and wanted more physical help, I was also aware that I was not completely alone. I did have help in some unexpected ways as well. Mama, Gaga, Mama, Gaga. I also know that had my pulse ox not gone up and I needed to go to the hospital, I would have called on people to care for Winnie. And we would have all been uncomfortable and afraid, but we could lean in to love to get us through that. 
During my illness, one of my friends just posted without any warning, hey, COVID is hard. Maybe you can give Lena some money. And people sent $5 here, $10 there. And it helped me because it made their love tangible. They couldn't come over to give me a hug, but they found another way. And if nothing else, I knew that people hadn't forgotten us and it eased the way. Many of those folks were UUs. So when it comes to blue, two things are true. Just like when me and Winnie were sick, we have done an immense amount of work as Black Unitarian Universalists. This is true. We haven't been perfect, but we have helped a lot of people feel loved deeply in all of their Blackness. And this love is at the heart of the Unitarian Universalist gospel. What is also true is that we wouldn't be here in this way without the support of lots of non-Black UUs who believe in our ministry, in our vision, and who want to see us thrive, and who have helped us immeasurably. As Blue continues to grow and change, I invite you to continue journeying with us. We have even bigger dreams. I wish this world wasn't so complicated. My two-year-old, who doesn't even have many words, knows when she sees someone in help, when she sees someone in need of help. She already knows how to comfort and offer what help she has access to. Mama Gaga? She was scared. She didn't fully understand what was happening, but she could see I was sick. As you use, I wish we could be more like Winnie. Oh, you're sick, you're coughing. Maybe you need some water. Here's a little comforting consensual touch. And here, here's some water. This is what I know to offer you. Here's the love. No questions about if you deserve that water, nor how you're gonna use it. Just, oh, you're sick? Maybe you need some water. It's what, it's what I have to give. Mama, Gaga, I see you. I call you by the name I know you. Here, here is the water. Even if I don't fully understand it, I know you need help and I have something to give. I am willing to share. I love you. And as a you, you, love is one thing I can bring and I will make my love seen and felt. I won't only proclaim it. For another day, we can talk about how love is the sister to justice. But for now, I want to personally lean into this lesson I learned from my two-year-old. Mama, Gaga, what comfort do you have to offer? What care, what resources do you have to share this holiday season? Thank you. Thank you, Lena, for your message, for your work, for your leadership, for your vision, for your love of us. Love made real a community that can support us all when we need it. The desire to see each and every one of us thriving. That is what we are about. So every Sunday when we gather, we have an opportunity to share our resources, to give and receive and grow together. This is a time where we invite you, if you have financial resources to share, to do so. And if this is a time or a season in your life when you need to receive, to please let us know so that we can share our resources with you. Sometimes we are the ocean, 
Sometimes we are held up by the ocean. It's important to share with each other in all of those seasons of our life. So this Sunday and going forward, the Sundays we have ahead of us next week on the 19th through our holiday services all the way up through the new year, we are collecting for blue, for Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. We have begun a practice over the last many years called the Holiday Giving Initiative. And what this means is that over the course of the holidays, we invite each other to think about how we are using our financial resources, our resources of time and energy and attention and care. And to, instead of engaging in practices of consumerism and capitalism, instead to turn our financial resources toward the church together so that we might support an organization that lives out the values we proclaim. So we are in the midst of a five-year partnership with Blue. We're in year three of that. And our goal at the end of this holiday season is to have been able to contribute $50,000 to Blue. Now, this might seem like a stretch. It means that this year, this one year, we have a goal of $38,000. But I know we can do it because we have done so much more than that before. And we know that when the invitation is offered and the need is there, that we have resources to share and we can and will respond as a community. So let us share what we have. Let us receive if that is what we need to do. And I invite the ushers to come forward to receive the offering here in person and also reminding us you can give through the Cash App, through our online portals, through the website. We can give in many, many ways together. Let's be as generous as we're able. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.